3: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now a very good morning to you on this uh, windy Friday morning. We welcome you along to the programme and I start by thanking you, our listeners. We got our listenership figures just before the close of the programme yesterday and this programme, Cork Today, we have received our highest ever listenership figures and myself and John Paul are absolutely Thrilled, And we just want to thank you because we couldn't have done it without you, the listeners. So thank you to all of the people that have stuck with us over the years. It, it really was a, it's a, ter- it's a terrific result and onwards and upwards and all of that. And, and we'll keep it going. And uh, we tra- we're a small team and we try to do the best uh, that we can. We don't, I'll be the first to say, we don't always get it right, but we do try and, and get it right. But we can only do it because you, the listeners, are there. So thank you. And there was a lovely text in from, where is it, from Mike, who said, ah, Trish, C103 is a great station. I've been listening since I was 14 and I'm 49 now. Great to have you along and stick with us, uh, Mike. And that's what we love. We have really wonderful, loyal listeners. And I love the loyal listeners uh, that we have. And thank you Mary uh, texting to say, I'm not surprised that your listenership figures are up because you and everyone at C103 do a fantastic job. Enjoy the donuts because you deserve them. And that's a reference to donuts that I brought to work this morning because I felt we should celebrate. And that's what we're doing. So we're going to be eating donuts uh, for the day. And we, uh, we really want to give back and say thank you to the listeners for the great uh, figures that we got, the great listenership figures we got. So how can we do that? We can dish out money. By way of saying thank you for listen, listening, we're giving you the chance to grab a share of 5,000 euro. That's what we're going to be giving away. 5,000 euro. And we are calling it the C103 Cash Tracks. What are the C103 Cash Tracks? I don't really know myself. The only person who seems to have all of the information is Simon Murdoch from Cork's More Music Breakfast. And I'm told if we tune in to Simon on Monday morning at eight fifteen, he will have the lowdown. He will be able to tell us everything about what we need to do to win a share. Well, you—it's you, the listeners—can win a share five thousand. Euro. Okay, so that's cash, C103 cash tracks. And it's just, as I say, it's just a way of saying thank you for being such loyal, loyal uh, listeners. And I met a number of our loyal listeners uh, last night because I was MC at Women in Agriculture, Women in Agri, it's called Women in Agri Forum, which was hosted in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. And this is a forum, it was the second forum that uh, I was involved with that has been organised by the Skibbereen and Bandon Credit Unions. And I mentioned it last night when I was addressing the the crowd that were there that it's it's a terrific initiative from a local credit union to Oregon. it was a free event and teas and coffees were served. And but it was a free event with a great lineup of speakers. And I just I commented on the fact that it's fantastic that you can get a local credit union giving something back to its community because after the last, the first one that we did before Christmas when we hosted one in Bandon, one of the listeners that had been at it sent me a text saying, "Isn't it fantastic that a credit union would do something like that?" You wouldn't see one of your high street banks forking out on a night like that and it struck me and I was thinking yeah you know you wouldn't it, it it's like giving back to the community I mean credit unions are embedded in our communities they're there for the community and I just think it's terrific of, on behalf of Skipperine and, and bandin to host nights like that and um, they're planning I think on hosting more as well I'm saying that it's always going to be uh, around women in agriculture but they're open to all suggestions for anything else that they can do for the community so well done well done they have to be acknowledged for that but we had a fabulous lineup. of of, uh, speakers. But one of the most interesting I have to say and it's my second time to hear him speak was uh, Albert Wolfe who is he's the in-house solicitor for with the credit union in Banton and Skibbereen and he spoke about what well, is a difficult topic to bring up at home and it's the topic of writing wills and succession and who's going to get what and that is I think it becomes even more relevant when it's a farm you're talking about and a working farm and if children have remained on the farm and it's their livelihood, what happens then when Mammy and Daddy want to sit down uh, to write the will. And, and, you know, he spoke about the importance of writing, of all of us writing wills, it's not just to do with farms. All of us need to write a will and to do it when you're fit and healthy. You know, don't be doing it on your hospital bed. Don't be doing it when suddenly you're very unwell or, you know, worse still, don't die without a will at all and then leaving everybody uh, fighting over it. And, you know, he gave some really good examples of what can go wrong when you don't make make a will but one of the most important points he made was uh, a no will is better than a bad will. And if you get a bad will and you do it wrong, you know, if you leave it to the wrong person, you like a lot of thought has got to go into writing a will. And I think a lot of discussion has to go into. I think families need to be get involved so that when the will is opened, there isn't a big surprise. And I was thinking about it when I was driving home last night about all of the por- the 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 points that Albert brought up, and I remembered a story that we covered it was i 'm sure i 'm nearly sure the story came out from Tipperary It certainly wasn 't a cork story, but it was to do with a relatively big enough farm where there was three sons involved. Now, two of the sons had absolutely no interest in farming at all. It was, a, you know, a wealthy farm. So they had got a really good education. They'd both become professionals and they'd gone overseas. One was in America and one was somewhere in in, in, in uh, Europe. But they'd done, you know, very well for themselves. And then one, the youngest son, had remained on the farm and he nursed both of his parents. He'd never married. And when he was in his 50s, the youngest son, The I think the mother died first, and then it was the father was left. The father died anyway, and when the will was opened, the father left the farm divided between the three sons: the two sons that were overseas and the one son that was left farming. And the two sons overseas came back for the funeral and all that, and came back for the reading of the will, and was straight up and honest and said, "Look, we have no interest in farming. Parents are gone now. No real interest in even coming back uh, to Ireland. So let's sell the farm. We want our share." I said to the brother. Come up with the money and buy us out. And because it was a large farm, he hadn't a hope in hell of coming up with the money uh, to buy them out. So the farm was divided. The farm was sold off. Two thirds of it was sold off. He was left, the youngest brother was left with a small enough uh, chunk, but not enough for him to make a decent livelihood out of it. And I remember at the time the argument was put to him that he should fight this. He should go to the courts and he should fight it. And he said, no, this was his dad's wish and that, you know, he wanted to honour his dad's wish. But, I, you know, I remember thinking about that story at the time and thinking, he, did his father realise what he was doing at the time when he made that will and divided it between two, giving a chunk to two lads who had got a good education out, out of the farm was this son had never left the farm. He, you know, left school, straight into farming, you know, worked side by side with the, with the father until the father got to an age that he couldn't work anymore, had looked after his ageing mother, then looked after his ageing father, and then for the date for the will, to, and I'm not saying that the other two sons didn't have a right to get something, but for it to be split three ways, I just thought was utterly, utterly cruel. And then I thought, you know, for the youngest brother not to go to court and, and fight it, what an honourable man, he didn't want to, he thought it would be disrespectful to his father and in his father's memory and honour, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it, even though I think a lot of people would say he should have. He should have fought it. So that's an an example, I suppose, of a bad will. And that's where, um, it and if there had been no will, maybe he would have gone to court and and fought it. But then again, maybe, maybe he wouldn't. But anyway, it's that whole awkward subject of of wills. And I bring it up. I think everybody who went away last night probably went away thinking if they didn't have a will made, maybe it's time that I did it. And I mention it today for those of you that weren't there. But thank you to everybody uh, that I met and to uh, Margarita and Valerie who joined us. We had an open forum panel discussion afterwards. It was, it was great. It was lovely. Finola Colgan was there from Mental Health Ireland, who we interviewed yesterday. And Tom Curran from Chagas was really good on collaborative farming and farm partnerships, which I think are a great idea if you've got an older farmer and there's a son working the farm get one of those partnerships going because it will secure the future of the farm but certainly it will secure the future for that young farmer as well. Now coming up on the programme this morning we're going to in a couple of minutes speak with a Cork taxi driver who is discussing problem passengers including ones who uh, vomit all over the back seat of the car and almost think nothing of it. So disrespectful to the poor old taxi man who then obviously is off the road for the rest of the night and probably for much of the following day because of the smell in the taxi. We're going to hook up with the Irish Farmers Journal. If you've got this week's Irish Farmers Journal, they have a really interesting report which is looking at the high failure rate for the new NCT. This is for the fast tractor test. And I remember when it first came in, we, did a, we spoke a lot about on the programme and we haven't really uh, featured it since Uh, and then this report came out because it's in I think about a year now or maybe coming up to a year since it was first uh, introduced but it's shocking to see the number of tractors that are actually failing the test so we're trying to find out uh, why so many are failing also trying to find out why 80% of all stray horses impounded by the City Council are put down now there is a problem with urban horses and keeping horses in urban areas do we need to look Look at that problem, and try to find a solution to that problem. We will have people say that they have a right to keep horses. Some, for example, members of the travelling community who settle and are living in houses will say part of their life and their tradition is to keep horses. There's, you know, tradition within the travelling community. The you know horses they're seen as as pets. Um, they use them for sulky racing. And they, you know, they see it as part of their tradition. So if they, and they're no longer now travelling around, that's I suppose where the horses came from was when the travellers originally travelled around the country with a horse-drawn cart, I take it. That's where the having and keeping of horses comes from. But of course, that no longer happens now for the majority of tra- the travelling community, even though they still, they still identify as being part of the travelling community, but they live in houses. But they'll say it's still with somewhere within their DNA to keep horses. So if they're living in an urban area where do you keep a horse and what kind of a problem kind of problems is this presenting for the city council and the county councils and what kind of a problem is it creating for people who are not members of the traveling community who have to live beside somebody who decides to keep horses now obviously the council will move in if the horses are becoming a problem and i take it that's what's happened with the city council with the impounding of these uh, horses but then to hear that 80% of the horses that they impound are put down That's, you know, as an animal lover, I think a lot of people would be upset to hear that so many of these beautiful creatures have to be put down just because they were kept. Now, if it's a cruelty issue, I absolutely, or for humanitarian reasons that they put the animal down, I have no problem with that at all. But I'm assuming that some of these horses are healthy horses and just for whatever reason, they can't find homes for them. And if they can't find homes for them... They have no other choice but to put them down, and that in itself is shocking. So we're going to talk about that issue, but try to talk around what are the possible solutions. If anybody has anything to add to this, I'd I'd love to hear from you. I mean, could we have areas where grazing areas? Could we put fields in areas where horses could be kept? Is that am I? Is that the way to go? Is that a possible? Uh, solution, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three, and I also will be talking about a new support centre for children on the autism spectrum which is to open in Bandon this month a lot of work has gone in uh, to this and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking about that later on on the programme and then as always it's Friday and if you're going on to the movies this weekend or you want to get out a DVD or stream a movie we'll have some suggestions with Mark Malone eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. jump John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp awaits oh 103 And thanks to Jared who's just sent in a photograph. Say morning Patricia spotted these in a shop in Balloncolic earlier. Yes. Their Easter eggs. The photo isn't great, but I was trying not to make it obvious that I was taking your photograph of their Easter eggs. Should I stock up now in case they're out of stock by Sunday the 21st of April, says Gerard. I was just saying, thanks Gerard for saying, it. It's the 8th of February and Gerard is right. Easter Sunday is the 21st of April, so over about two and a half months away and the Easter eggs are in. I remember last year. I had some relatives coming to stay with me over coming for Easter, so I knew there was going to be extra—you want young adults, teenagers—in the house who would want their Easter eggs. So I said I better start stocking up on the Easter eggs, and I swear to God, with every week that I would buy some Easter eggs, I said, "Oh, that's a really great offer." a really great offer and then the following week another store would have an even better offer it got to the point i think in the run up to easter that they were nearly giving the easter eggs away and then i on easter saturday i was in one of the larger supermarkets uh, picking up the last bits and pieces you know for the sunday, for the for the sunday lunch and i actually overheard them saying no sorry we're out of easter eggs well i said with all of the easter eggs that came in I mean, you, you watch but and it, it does it, it does seem particularly early that they're in this year but all of the supermarkets all of the shops will absolutely be flooded with uh, Easter eggs and they'll sell every single one of them. We are eating way, way too much chocolate that's for sure and thank you to people commenting on our listenership uh, figures somebody said I listen to C103 every morning and nobody ever asked me if I listen so you can add me as another listener and by the way when you're talking about wills you should tell your family where your will is kept Actually, see that's a good point that's a good point and that didn't come up uh, last night. I suppose a lot of people assume that you you make your will with your solicitor and it's kept in your solicitor's office but of course a will does not have to be made with a solicitor so it is important. But even if you do leave it with your solicitor it's important that your family know which solicitor you use so that is a good point as well. And thank you to John in East Cork and Pauline in Drima League and uh, Cathy in Bantry and there was another one there Martin Infoboy for your kind comments uh, about the show we really do appreciate it thank you for that and can, I want to give a mention to because if I don't get this out of the way now I'll forget about it greetings from Clonacilty if anybody fancies a Sunday evening laugh Ahakira Drama Group are presenting a Jimmy Carey comedy called I'm the One for You. It'll be at Dara Community Centre at 8 o'clock this Sunday night and it is just a tenor to get in. And uh, it's, it's and a fun a comedy. There's nothing better to go out on a night like that and have a good belly laugh. And there's an opportunity if you're around Dara Community Centre next Sunday night I'm the one for you. We've been talking about scam calls and scam emails and how we all need to protect ourselves. That's come up a lot on the programme. And the computer scammers, you know, these people who come on trying to tell you there's something wrong with your computer and they are just so annoying. They really, really are. We probably, after Emily, the, the pre-recorded message from the person who's claiming to be Emily from AIR, the next biggest volume of calls we get are about the computer scammer. But here's a good one. Hi, I kept getting those calls saying there was something wrong with my com- computer. And I started to get them early in the morning, could be as early as 5 a.m. It would wake the whole house. I got so sick of it that two weeks ago when I answered the phone, I said, hi, Garda Station here. And somebody says, are you a member? Are you a Garda?" and as I proceeded to say yes he then said to somebody sitting next to him do not ring that number again it's the police I haven't had a phone call since it is great that's a good and I've heard of other people do that saying the Gardi or say the police service but I think when they know they're ringing Ireland they must be after getting used to the word Garda because at the start they wouldn't know what the Garda corner was but it's worth a try if you're getting a lot of those annoying calls Pretend to be a guard, the station. It seemed to have worked in this case. The listener says, getting no more calls. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking the calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103
0: 103. Flora Gelga, RC 103.
4: Ruggig Jacob Stockdale, Erin true Law Dabron, Nadig Nokoshe, in Ardvaka. Husik Cheg Imrt Rugger, Agase Anna O. Drastl shay er artskol de valish, agis brunuk gradim imrahorna blina er, nina kuna. Dimr shay mark lihani er erin ar neherin fui feha, agis hussig shayg imrt lakuga ulla agis efos naivlin a deklish. Tuguk an lasanum stocky jocky er, tisk eve cohard agis co lordershin. A e er fandil neherin, de hros sa regavil sasakte. August Anamniuk A. E, Marlek Nehemraha in Aigon Argentine. Toshokt Ud Aimshaha, a e Jacob Stockdale, a e grave ne Sheinashun Gavilas Octig, Gashka, Nakvildenteg, ein Imra or Ella, Istarna e Grava. Is Imhor úntuk A. E, August Inspiro de Guine Oga A. E. La Blur Guelga is Mesham Malinigul or Guelskol Hamasta Vishmal.
0: C. K. Osetri Kirkig. The GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards on C103 with the Town Park Hotel
5: we've had great battles with them. They beat us in the league the last two years. It's been pretty close, those two games, so thank God we got the one that counts in the end. We'll take whatever comes after that.
2: The overall winner for 2018 is Cork Camogie star Orla Cotter for her role in the All-Ireland Senior
6: victory against Kilkenny.
0: The C103 GAA Sports Star of the Month Awards. Recognising outstanding achievement in the field of Cork GAA.
1: This for you.
2: C103.
3: This is the Cork Today Replay. On C103. And just electricity outages in Bailid in Roscarbury ESB Network's telling us that they hope to have power restored there by 3 o'clock this afternoon and there's also electricity outage in Fairhill and the ESB Network say it'll be about 6pm before electricity is restored there Now a Cork taxi driver has been left outraged by passengers vomiting in his vehicle which can cost him days off the road and unable to make a living Bobby Lynch who is the Cork Taxi Council spokesperson uh, Joins me. Good morning to you, Bobby. Come morning uh, you're, you're you're welcome to the program. Now the <laughs> late, the latest vomiting event, I believe, was just last <laughs> Saturday. T- I- oh, t- tell me what happened. This is an incredible story. Tell me what happened. You well, picked think, up the couple.
7: That's right. Well, this car was only just less than a week on the on the road, um, and last Saturday I picked up a couple. Uh, they looked very respectable, so I picked them up. Uh, got to the south link, heading out towards Bambal and College, and the back window of the car started to go down, and I told the lady, look, if you're going to get sick, tell me. I'd pull over in the motorway, because it's quiet, and you can get sick. And she says, no problem, I'm not going to get sick. So, next day, you I know, I was just passing Corry I think, when the fly was, and she just turned her heart up.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
7: and her husband turned around, he says, why didn't you tell the man stop? He told you. And she says to him, What's what's your problem? It's only a taxi and that's what I kinda of lost it, you know, but I had to keep me cool at the same time. And I just kept going, got outside the house and her husband if if he is her husband, I don't know. He was oh he he was very embarrassed and he went in and he came over with kitchen towers, rolls it and he cleaned as much as you could out my head and she just sat inside, looked out the window. And she didn't care one bit, but he was excellent and famous. Did to the she?
3: Was. was she embarrassed?
7: She wasn't one bit, not one bit. And only for her husband or boyfriend, whoever he was, the man he, he was ashamed of his life. And they told him not to worry. But I said, look, it happens, it happens. But say, uh, what she's after on is crazy because she destroyed. Her, more to the
3: back
7: seat. oh the my god um, oh, I t- spent I, that was at two o'clock I just rolled all my windows you now I live all the way back in the north right? and I drove into Soling with the four windows down I was absolutely freezing when I got home but I had a lot of chives and uh, it fell to so that chap he did as much as he could he got out as much as he could but then uh, I just knocked the windows and left down the crack and went in and got up the next morning and spent about five hours cleaning <laughs> out the car I got a friend. of mine to come up and give me a hand, try to do something. But there's a variety the of crowd in the Grand Prix in the city. Uh, they they look after for me. They like, thank
3: them. Yeah, that, you've like. got to, you. you to have to have a deep cleaning done on that to get the smell. It, it
7: doesn't matter how much you clean it. You, the the person that's sitting there, on the thing will still like, still have it. Like we still I have know. that smell. You know, like like it's not the first time it happened to me. Like, and it won't be the last. You know what I mean? <laughs> We, we we kind of half expect it. Okay, so related. so
3: can you are you able to find that woman or? Oh,
7: well, you can There's we does a silent charge there, and it's just blah, So Okay, the euro, but when you when you break down like a valid, I think is roughly around seventy or eighty euro. Yeah, now that's just a valid valid cow that have no vomit in it. Yeah, but would you imagine bringing a care that's after somebody after getting sick and they bring it to a better, they want more money and and they'll write Understandable, money, you know? yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's uh, a lot of them probably wouldn't do it, you know. You but know? the other
3: side of it, Bobby, is you're you're off the road. I mean, if that happened earlier on a Saturday night, you wouldn't be able to work for the rest of the night. Well, you, you're gone, you're gone. You're gone road, and, you, right? and you're gone for the, the next yeah. day, the Sunday. You're yeah. waiting then to get it validated on the Monday. I mean, you that's technically right? could, could be two days where your taxi is off the road and that's your livelihood gone.
7: Well, you, you could and, uh, and I tell you, like, like, when we are changing a vehicle, it's absolutely worse than a person getting sick in your car. Because if I, when, I, when I change my car, I have to get an NCT. I have to wait two days before I can apply for my licence. Now, the, the, where you get your car tested in the NCT, all they have to do is send an email to SGS. this car is NCT, it's passed. But it takes two days, we're off the road. We can be off the road for up to two, three weeks before we can get our new car back on the road. And they don't care. It's yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. So,
3: so that soiling charge of 140 goes nowhere near covering the cost. Don't.
7: It don't. No, um, a lot of our members out there realise like on the weekend, you are going to come across this. No, we do not charge a lot. A lot of taxi drivers out there will not charge uh, a person. That has a baby who gets sick in the care because a baby cannot tell you stop your care. Okay, yeah. Now, and we, we, we won't do that. And unfortunately, there is one or two out there, they take money off their own child if they got sick in the care, and that's just the way life is with them. But a lot of us out there, taxi drivers, are genuine fellas. They're out there on the living, do the best they can, but unfortunately, a lot of people look down on taxi drivers as that we're just scum and, deer. and it's the wrong way because. We provide a good service 24-7, transit 65 days a year.
3: And you keep you, you keep people safe, you get people home safe well, at
7: we night. Know, we do, but a lot of people out there don't realise that like, you have the emergency service in the front row. We're actually open in that front row too, totally, because we're, we're the eyes and ears for everything else that happens.
3: Well, can I say shame on that? Shame on that woman for saying it's only a taxi. That's you know. I would like to think that she's very much in the minority.
7: Well, ho- hopefully, but I, 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 and a lot of taxi drivers out there, um, like we, we used to love this job. But it's come to a stage now that will I go out or will they not go out because a lot of fellas is a worth it one now because. Like some of the abuse that you on the weekend is, is ridiculous now and we, actually we John Paul has
3: just sent me in a piece yeah. from the Irish um, Taxi Drivers Federation saying the drivers are at risk every time they pick somebody every up, time, yeah. this was That's following sure, there was an assault know, on a taxi driver in Kilkenny
7: yeah uh, but now I mean, look we had assaults sales taking place here and didn't didn't even get, get the call John Constance that nothing, nothing happened to him that man in
3: and are you nervous heading out, Bobby, some weekends?
7: Well, I tell you no. Um, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter how tough you are, when you're on your own and you were four passengers in a car, you can be taken anywhere, and it doesn't matter how tough you think you are, you will be nervous. And that is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not a nice position to be in. I was in it once or twice, and uh, it's not a nice position to be in. Now we have a lot of lady drivers out there, which are very good, good drivers, and they work at night. And, like, I wouldn't like to see none of my daughters our, uh, out driving taxis later at night, but then women can do it and they're well able to do it. And it's trying it's to see them do, do it, it makes it a bit safer for us because a, a lot of the scumbags that we pick up will not argue with a lady. <laughs>
3: They won't they, they won't. they won't. It's not interesting. They won't argue they with try. the lady.
7: Yeah. If I found found
3: that no, don't like, But it's all drink talk, is it? It's all bravado.
7: Well, drink. Well, I, I reckon like a person with drinking mean, them you can have have an old crack with him. But I think the drugs are just they're all over the country, like. You know what I mean, it's 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 destroyed with drugs.
3: And that's a complete personality change, then.
7: I, I know the difference between the fella who's taking drugs and the person who's drunk you know would you, you know the difference I would of course you know the behaviour. a lot of them you're them where they're going and it takes them 10 minutes to try and get the address uh. and that's that's the home address right
3: and the, the other one I'm interested in Bobby is young young girls young women uh, going out do they put themselves in dangerous situations because of alcohol
7: well when people have alcohol on board on drugs, honestly, don't know what they're doing. But they haven't the So, like, young girls at night, nice, when they get sped up with their friends, they're just out there in the streets and come to get a taxi home. it did every taxi driver will pull in and pick a girl on their own up. It's, just, it's too dangerous for taxi drivers to do that at the moment.
8: Yeah.
7: And, uh, like, we're walking to everything, as you know, Everything. And uh, we we have we have great customers now and believe me we have very good customers and that respect taxi drivers but unfortunately when 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 people are drunk they just don't care about the taxi driver. They have no problem paying fifteen euro going into a nightclub and paying a top price for the drink but when they come out then they lag with a taxi driver over a ten euro fare.
3: Uh, I know, I, I
7: know. I, taking them home. And yeah. what
3: they what they've spent on the drink during the night. Oh, yeah. I saw another another Cork taxi driver yesterday, I read it somewhere online talking about the fair dodgers. And people, it's Willie. Willie Griffin, Griffin yeah. Willie is is that part. but then I was thinking when I knew I'd be talking to you, I was thinking, God, would you prefer somebody as bad as it is to be a fair dodger than to vomit in the back of your car?
7: Well I actually said that to, to Neil Prenderville, the other morning. I said Neil, I would have been better off if I dropped it for the, down the country and they got out of the camera and away. It wouldn't
3: and, it wouldn't have cost not, you as much.
7: It wouldn't have cost me at least yeah.
3: my yeah. Be, be But fa- but I is is all. that common, fair dodgers?
7: Or oh, it is, is it? it is. But like a lot a lot of us just let it go because 'cause we'll always come across McGinnley. Well, I mean, will you? What's the, the painting? chairs to fill it up with ten euros. Yeah. You'll come across them again, and then you're 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 ringing the girls, and the girls are coming out you for, for for the fellow who's ten euro. You Know what I mean? I know. You'll meet him again. You just meet them. Just let it off. You know. All right. So no, you uh, will you
3: work this weekend? Will this be a busy? Will you be busy at the weekend? Um.
7: Well, I, I'll be
3: out the weekend. I, I'll go tonight. No.
7: And have a look around and I might work tomorrow night, you know, and uh, like I, I do all days as such, you know. I walk walk the rear there. a lot of fellas know me like walk the rear there. and we, we are kinda of our own patch, you know, and we stick to it. And uh <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 not terrible busy out there, but it's a lot busier than what it was. And the reason the reason for that and like the on about the role hackney. They're looking to get rural hackneys now. Yeah. My yeah. advice to anyone that wants to start up a rural hackney mm. is talk to the rural hackneys at the moment who are out there and they're finding it very hard to make a living. They're on to me, because I sit in the advisory council, they're on to me and they're telling me that they're quiet from Monday to Friday. They're doing nothing. The Saturday nights, they, they do a bit of work, and it's quiet from their end. Now, the shortage... Of the rural taxi and the rural hackney was not caused by the hackney of a taxi driver. It was caused by the NTA. They did away with the six-mile radius. A lot of people might What's not that? understand.
3: What's
7: that? six-mile six radius. We had a six-mile radius in Cox City. Yeah. And it started from the GPO, six-mile radius. We could not apply for hire outside six miles we could only apply for hire inside the six miles. Now, we could go anywhere if we were called. We could go anywhere in the country if we were called for. But when the government did away with the six-mile radius, <clears throat> they allowed taxi drivers from all over Cock County to come into Cock City and work Cock City before you couldn't do that. You had to stay in your own patch. You know what I mean?
8: Mm-hmm.
7: So what's the point in a staying staying not we say in Dunman? We're kind of guilty... When there's no walk there, it's better off up in the city. I
3: no, I and know. That's, that's that's what's happening. Uh, and so, then there's the argument that no matter how many taxis or hackneys or Ubers or whatever you want to call them, that you you'd have on on a Friday or Saturday, you're never going to have enough. It's just it's the like, peak time. You,
7: you like you you go into a chip shop and there's a queue there. We have to join the queue, but of course in the taxi ranks, there's no such thing as the in. We had martial ranks in, in Patterson Street, I say, Brown Thomas years ago, and the martial rank was working very good. They did away with it. Did away, no. And why All did they like, do away no. with it? they just did a
3: with because anything that walks is a taxi industry did <laughs> <is not> a... stop <laughs> Okay. Seems to be stopped. All right, listen, Bobby, it was great to talk to you. Thank you. I can see a lot of sympathy, a lot of people saying, where would you be without a, without a taxi driver? And a lot of people having sympathy for you. But thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this great. morning. Sure, sure. Good morning to you. Then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bobby Lynch, you're a lovely man. Bobby Lynch, he's at the uh, Cork Taxi Council. He is the spokesperson uh, for them. Uh, Hannah says, that woman, who vomited the back of Bobby's taxi last Saturday, should be made to pay all of the costs. What a horrible, horrible thing to happen uh, to that lovely man. And Mary says, Just listening to Bobby, your taxi driver, I have great sympathy for the dilemma he finds himself in, particularly with passengers getting sick. Just a suggestion. Could the taxi drivers provide sick bags to their passengers? There are special ones available called query bags. They've got a screw-on lid. But, says Mary, I suppose people are so intoxicated they wouldn't be able to use it.
0: Sunday mornings, C103 brings you interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info, and the very latest film news. The Arts House, Sunday mornings, eight till ten,
2: with Griffin's potatoes, cork planted, picked and produced in cork. The great taste of home
3: on C103. On the way, coming up in the next hour, we're going to discuss discuss the problem of stray horses in the city. And how, when they're impounded, 80% are put down.
2: Ladies and gents, this is the moment we've waited for.
0: To tell you how many people listen to C103 every day. Our numbers show we're the first thing you hear in the morning and last thing at night. And we
2: appreciate it. (laughs) According to the latest radio listenership figures...
0: 257,000 adults. Now listen to C103 and Cork's 96FM every week.
2: Source Jane Lore Ipsos MRBI 2018 (laughs) 4. Cork's greatest shows are on your favourite station.
0: And stay listening to win your share of €5,000 with C103 Cash Tracks.
2: Coming soon to Cork's greatest hits, C103...
3: Pat Vermoy has an interesting take on the scam calls. He said he received one of the scam calls yesterday from a lady who called herself Sharon. He said it wasn't the usual Emily from uh, Air. Now, Emily, the Emily from Air one is a pre-recorded message. So I don't quite know who this Sharon lady that Pat was speaking to yesterday. Anyway, he says to her, he says straight away, he... Felt that this was a scam call. So he says, Sharon, can I have a few words with you, please? Would you mind talking to me? So she said, yeah, yeah, fine. And Pat said, I said to Sharon, does your mother know you're doing this job? And Sharon said, no. I said, your mother would not be proud if she knew you were robbing people. I suggested she went, went off and gets a new job <laughs> um, t- t- so trying to uh, uh, appeal to her conscience there. Let's uh, see if that one works. Uh, well done though, Pat, for engaging in conversation with her. Hi to Rose in Tarshock Charity Shop in Dunam. Congratulations on the fig- on our figures. Thank you for that and saying they're ten years in operation of the charity shop this year. They do terrific work. Well done. And hi to everybody in Tarshock in a Dunman way. Um A reaction. Still getting reaction to Bobby, our taxi driver from the last uh, hour. Hi, this is from Martin in from moi Patricia. I have the utmost respect for taxi drivers I'm not a taxi driver but I do know what it's like because I don't drink and I end up bringing people to and from the pub I've often seen taxi drivers waiting for ages for people to come out of the pubs this is when they're collecting a fare and I also heard of somebody running out of a taxi and not paying that seems to be quite common unfortunately Martin some taxi drivers are just too quiet taxi drivers in boy, by the way says Martin are absolutely excellent so all the taxi drivers in boy. Please take a bow. Someone else, Bob, someone else says, poor Bob, my heart goes out to him. The, that woman who was speaking was so rude to him, she knows no better, I suppose. You're such a nice guy. I would just say God love her husband, and that comes in from the girls in Mallow and Drumaham. Safe driving uh, to you, uh, Bobby. Okay, some other calls coming in. Um, okay, horses. We're going to be dealing with this uh, issue, and um, with regards to people keeping horses and. The rights of people to keep horses, particularly in urban areas and the problems it's causing and then hearing about the fact that 80% of the horses that were impounded in Cork City, this is what we're going to be focusing on uh, today, have unfortunately... Uh, been put down which is really sad Heidi says good morning Patricia with regard to horses and people having rights to own a horse well I say these animals also have feeling I bet if any of them could speak they would say they would like to be treated better but that's the problem some people do not understand or believe that animals do have feelings, but they do. Uh, humans need to stop hurting animals. You just have to look at the way some dogs and cats have been treated here in Cork. I've actually emailed Minister Michael Creed, Minister for Agriculture, on this subject. I've emailed him a few times and saying that he, int- he needs to introduce a law that animals have a right to shelter, a warm bed, food, and water. At least this, and this is the very least that should be provided, which isn't always uh, the case. The book needs to be brought down with stronger fines and prison and sentences and until that happens we unfortunately are going to continue to have at cruelty. We were talking about wills earlier on. Thank you for that by the way Heidi. Uh, Michael says Patricia it isn't a bad will but it just lacks the finishing touches. The story that you quoted of the three sons who had left the farm and even though one had been farming and two had been away and then the farm had to be divided and the, the youngest son who was left farming wasn't left with enough to give him, you know, an adequate an enough land for him to farm as uh, successfully. Michael says, "What should have happened there was he should have had a, a tenants and common. Hence, either cannot sell the other out, and the one that's at home all the time can carry on as normal. Tenants and common prevents those who have long fled the homestead, but are back immediately. They hear that there's a possibility of a few quid available." and furthermore if you congratulations on your figures thank you for that and that's from Michael we mentioned Easter eggs earlier listener says Patricia cream eggs were on sale in Killarney over the Christmas holidays (laughs) for God's sake back to horses in urban areas hi Patricia. this is from Jane Horses in urban areas. In these modern times where we strive for equality, the travelling community cannot expect to be treated differently. So, if I want a horse and I live in a housing state, I have to go rent fields and our stables. If you can't do that, regardless of your background, then you don't go out and get a horse. Simple as. I cannot, as a non traveller, just decide to live on somebody else's land. Graze animals on public land. Equality means same for all. Animal welfare also is paramount. The 80% statistic that you mentioned is really sad. I grew up near Finglas in Dublin and uh, always saw the poor horses on bad, bad land near roads and even dead on the side of the road, though this should be in the past, says Jane. And it is dreadful that it is still uh, happening, Yeah, it's absolutely uh, shocking. OK, what else is into us? In by call, phone into... Uh, I- Ian contacted us. He was on to speaking with uh, John Paul to say he's a, a beef farmer and at the moment he's having problems getting grazing for his cattle due to the dairy farmers leasing land. And they are getting more money than beef farmers can so Ian says there'll be cattle on the roads as well. You're talking about horses wandering around on the roads. Wait and see if this keeps up. Same thing is going to happen with uh, cattle very soon. The markets are so bad. Cattle cannot be sold and the farmers cannot get land to lease. God, you paint a very bleak picture there, uh, Ian, uh, for sure. Let's hope that you're, what you're predicting doesn't actually come uh, come through. Now here's one this is I suppose to do with would you call it a pishog a superstition or whatever but a listener has texted in about it to say, "Would would I put it out to the listeners just to see what what would others think. Could you ask your listeners please, what does it mean to have a robin come in to your sitting room? I've heard in the past that it means a death in the family but please God that's not true. I've had two deaths in the last five months and the robin came in to my sister on Wednesday, um, and kind regards on, on your listenership figures from a loyal listener. I, I mean, that's just—it's superstitious, isn't it? It's a more of a superstition than anything. I certainly, whenever I see a robin, I. I don't look on it as that it's going to be a death. When a robin comes close or I've got a robin, I have a robin in the garden now for the last uh, few months and it always makes me smile because I think it's the, it just reminds me of somebody very special to me that I lost. And uh, who had a great affinity with robins and used to say that it's the soul of the dead coming back to say they're okay and they're smiling, you know, and that they're happy. And that's what I always, when I'd see a robin. Now, I've never had a robin come into my house. I haven't heard of that. Is that an old superstition, an old pishogue? that when a robin actually comes into the house that it's the sign of uh, a death. I wouldn't let it worry you and you obviously are the fact that you've already had had, uh, two uh, deaths but we'll see if others have heard of that superstition and then at the end of the day it is just a superstition. So please, you know, don't be sitting around worried and and waiting for a family member to die because you've you've already gone through enough of your grief. So just look after yourself. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. 103 Jobs. We've got an accounts assistant. This is required for a maternity cover in the Balancolic area, while a plasterer is needed for immediate start in the Mallow Cork area. A cleaner is wanted for evening work about seven hours per week, and that's in the Dunmanway area. And full and part-time bus drivers are wanted for school runs private hire, tours etc. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now as an animal lover I was saddened to hear from uh, city officials that nearly 80% of all stray horses seized in Cork since 2014 were humanely put down. To discuss what can be done with the problem of horses kept in urban areas. I'm joined by Sinn Féin City Councillor Mick Nugent. Good morning you Mick. Uh,
6: good morning uh,
3: you're welcome to the programme. Now firstly do many households keep horses in the city?
6: Um, I wouldn't I, suppose I wouldn't have the figures on that um, I suppose in the city it would be I suppose areas around the city and maybe you know um, suburbs, um, green areas on the fringe of the cities um, where you would see Occasionally, um, horses that will be stray or, or banned loose. Um, but mostly those areas. And as you say, I think I was... Um, I may have been actually... I it was on your own show. I was definitely... Um, a group called My Lovely Horse Rescue Cork
8: mm. uh,
6: actually highlighted this first in relation to Cork County Council, actually, where was, I think up to 90% um, of horses that are um by people acting on behalf of the Cork County Council, were put down um, last year. So when I heard um, that group saying that they would be willing to try and rehome um horses that had been seized, rather than seeing horses, often cases that would be healthy put down, I, I got some figures from Cork City Council, um, which kind of told a similar story, that since 2014, about 250 horses were, were seized, and... Um, very small numbers gonna and rehome. And about 200 of those um, were put down. So, I was basically flagging it to the council to see, is there, is there alternatives to, um, to that like, you know?
3: Do you, okay, why does the council move in to impound a
1: horse?
6: Well, look, there's bylaws there. As you know, you've probably discussed it before, there's regulations about horses, you know, being shipped and that. And look, you know, best case scenario, horses shouldn't be on uh, public road or they shouldn't be on public parks on green areas. It can happen, um and then the fees to get the horse back from um the pound is probably about a thousand euros. Um no look if you're in ownership of a horse um in a rural or an urban area that um you know obviously you should have the means to care for the horse properly. Yeah.
8: Um
6: And a thousand euros is probably, you know, it's a deterrent. But sometimes, look, you know, somebody has a horse in the fields and around the city, the horse gets out, you know, it sees I I would get the occasional call, look about it, we go inquiring, a thousand euros can be not only prohibitive to someone who owns the horse to try and reclaim it, but maybe it would be prohibitive, uh, a barrier to groups that might be interested in in um, rehoming rehoming that horse, like, you know.
3: Yeah, and and there are attempts to try to rehome you you, you say, but they it's just not very successful.
6: Yeah, there's groups that yeah, they have been on um local uh broadcast media like groups like I know there's certainly been on ninety six of them the groups like My Lovely Horse Rescue that would definitely be interested um in rehoming horses that weren't reclaimed by the owners. Um and they would try and say, Look, we can try and re- rehome that horse. And uh, you can check out what they do um on Facebook there as well. So we have you know, other there is other initiatives, um, certainly in Cox City Council, you know, there is education, there is courses um for home homeowner or horse owners about caring for horses. Um like yeah, e- are, e-
3: equine courses.
6: Yeah, and horse farrier they call it and trying to don't be those horses. The City Council as well has um, would have a steering group had looked at um, a horse project as well. I know you're familiar with that. Yeah, um, this,
3: was, this was one. Uh, there was talks about this. I remember covering an interview yes. on this. This is a few years ago. And this was to get the travelling community involved and there was yes. talks of a horse grazing project.
6: Yes, it was out there um, out by uh, Kerry Pike. Yeah, it would be... Out there near Daniel's the West um, off the Lee Road, there was a site there um, land owned by the city council, um, but in the county council administrative um, area. No, um, that will change, as you know, in the in the, in the months ahead. Um, it was it was going to be a horse project there, where there could be you know horse, horses horses would graze there, and perhaps it could be in an area there, and there could be some education and so about how to care for a horse. Um, there was a group there, city council, city council officials, and others were involved in this um, for a few years. That's the site they had looked at. Um, we went to Cork County Council for planning, and uh, the planning wasn't granted. No, they have said there was issues with the location, um, at least, of flooding at the location. No, well, I was told it was looked over by you know engineers and that, but whether or which, we um, didn't get, we didn't get planning. But and you're
3: also, let's be honest going to have a problem if it's anywhere near housing this this is definitely going to be a case of NIMBY not in my backyard nobody's going to want to live near a project like uh, that
5: yeah look there was
6: you know there was and they would have had different reasons there was some um, there was some residents and others maybe not living that close to it had um, had posed that they had some issues with it you know um, that, that they'd come up during that around the consultation process, um, on it. so you know if there was some um, residents nearby that weren't in favour of that project going ahead at the location, um, and as I said, others pointed out that it was just wasn't a suitable location. So go that's of flooding,
3: but it, but in the meantime, we are we are going to continue to have the problem. Of people living in urban areas keeping horses. I mean, we're talking in the main about members of the travelling community who are settled. They see it almost as part of their tradition to keep horses.
6: Um, They would, uh, they would see um, horse ownership as an integral part of their 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 culture. culture. Yeah. Yes. Um, And and it would be, you know, it would be very important for um, children, men, and boys. Keeping horses, and but um, I know I would know members of the community um actually would be child accommodation fairly close to me in Hollyhill, and and some would care a lot for horses, and um, not all cases, but would look after them as you know would look after them and would care for them. So they certainly would be interested in something like a horse um, project, which could. Help um, everybody if they would assist in keeping um, you know an area for horses to graze or keep them off the uh, keep them off the public roads or public green areas like you know. Um, and then
3: sulky trotting and sulky racing, Mick. Have you a view on that?
6: Look, it's Elizabeth, you know I suppose it's one of those um, traditions that has been there for for decades. Um, I don't think it's something for dual carriageways or, or motorways, certainly, like, you know. Um, it's a tradition there that probably goes back even before cities built up, you know. Um, I would see, we would see an element of it even in my own area at times. I think anywhere where you do have um, traveller accommodation, you, you do occasionally see that um, out on the road. Uh, sometimes, you know, there should be some probably and safety around it. I don't think it's something for, tra- uh, for two carriageways or motorways. But yeah. if it was on a quiet road, maybe it's not such um, such of an issue, like, you know.
3: OK, but at the moment it's just completely unregulated and as you say, no health and safety. Um, OK, and, and, we, it, yes. and we have had deaths around the country, uh, unfortunately, both of, uh, of, of humans and animals. OK, listen, yes. uh, Mick, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thank you for uh, discussing the issue with us that is Cork City Councillor Mick Nugent and actually somebody by WhatsApp when I mentioned that we'd be talking about this sent in a picture of a can't quite see the, the size of the horse if it's a horse or a pony with a sulky it's taken from behind this person was in their car driving and this is what's in front of them and there's a young boy driving the sulky standing up driving it and a little girl Toddler I would say maybe th- 3 4 at the most uh, with Alan's Alan thank you Alan saying I was stuck behind this young guy yesterday going down Dublin Hill in the city he looked to be only about 12 and the child the little girl with him was way younger he by the way was standing on the axle what if he slipped off a disaster waiting to happen how they are left to get away with this no helmets No safety, nothing. Health and safety got out the window in a case like this, says Alan. At a time when we discuss our world got mad with health and safety and rules and regulations. And, you know, only a few weeks ago, we were discussing the little green, Sheehan's green Greengrocer in Mallow that had to close down because somebody from the HSC and Inspector came out and all to do with health and safety and the floor and the little shop wasn't right. And they needed a false ceiling and new windows and doors and this and that. And they had to close down. And that was put down to health and safety. And we have to do everything right. And every I has to be dotted and T crossed. And it's, you know, the computer says no. So you can't do it. And, and Alan is right. And then you get a blatant case of absolutely zero health and safety. I mean, if that young lad, if that horse in any way had got spooked and that, that young lad is standing on the axle of the sulky trotting, whatever that little carriage is called, if he had fallen. fallen
0: That's code LISTEN
1: at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over one million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code
3: PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We then would have had a little, a tiny little one of about three sitting up in a row. No, I mean, there's no belts, no safety belt, nothing. She's not in any way tied in. There's no harness around harness, but she would have been, God knows what would have happened to her. And the photograph that Alan sends in, he's in the... The actual sulky, the horse and the sulky, are right in the middle of the road. I mean, he literally is. He's got a wheel on each side of the white line. And it looks to me, I don't know, is he overtaking those cars? There's a string of cars ahead of him. It looks to me like he's he's actually overtaking the cars. Or else they're parked cars, I'm not too sure. But that's what Alan got to, uh, stuck behind. And we've all been in a situation like that. And I know if I got stuck behind, I would remain stuck behind. I never take the risk of overtaking because I'm always afraid that when I when I would overtake, that I would spook the horse in some way and you'd just be fearful of what kind of a, a terrible accident uh, could happen. Alan, thank you for your photo to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And remember earlier I mentioned one of our listeners who contacted us who just wanted to know was getting a bit worried because a robin came into her sitting room and she has heard over the years of the superstition that if a robin comes in to the house, it means death in the family. And She's already had two deaths in the last five months, so she's a bit nervous at the moment and uh, she's just wondering, could I put it out there and... Has anybody else heard of that suspicion and is it true uh, or not? Jim in West Cork says, when a robin came into my house, I took photographs of him and put it up on Facebook. By the way, nobody close to me died. So tell the woman she'll be all right. That's Jim in uh, West Cork. The robin comes in because he's hungry. There is the superstition of a robin coming into the house and somebody is going to die but believe me it doesn't happen. A robin came into my house years ago. I was got worried too but nothing at all happened. I then realised the only reason he was indoors was he was hungry so don't be worrying about it. Patricia the robin coming into your sitting room (laughs) means you've left your window open. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Close the window. OK, and a couple of WhatsApps. Um, thank you, Margaret, for yours. And it's good to have... Somebody else says by WhatsApp, it's good to have Robin in your house. Very lucky. Also, the lo- it, it, it's, it's a sign. There's another superstition to say it is your loved ones looking after you in heaven. I have lots of Robins all the time. They're lovely. I feed them. It is very good to have them. To look after. So take it as a blessing. 1850. Thank you for that. So hopefully that's allayed that lady's fears. 1850 333 103.
0: Lines open. To celebrate our latest radio ratings, C103 is dishing out free money. Free money. Have your share of five grand with C103.
2: Get all the details Monday morning at 8.15
0: with Cavanagh's, the new name for Ford in Mallow. For new and used car sales, visit Cavanagh's.com on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
3: On sulky racing, Patricia, that photograph that you called out from Alan, just think of that horse with the young child and the other younger boy driving it. Uh, That horse could have been so petrified. And there's no say, I mean, out on the road is absolutely outrageous, and God forbid if something had happened to him. I fear, and it was if the horse got spooked in any way. And Linda says, uh, sulky driving is a disgrace. I see it almost daily. Out and around the Bally Vilan area, the horses are petrified, sometimes buckling under the weight of pulling three adults. And uh, quite obviously, they are malnourished. This animal cruelty is horrendous, said uh, Linda, and it must be uh, stopped. And I suppose that that's where the city authorities, when they move in and they see a case like that of a malnourished animal, or they get enough complaints and reports from neighbours, they move in, they impound the horses. But now, as we're hearing, 80% of them in the city and 90% of them in the county are put down. 1850 103. Now, tonight at the Copper Grove in Bandon, a limp, lip, sink. Battle will be launched with the event taking place at Bandon GAA Pavilion on March the 16th. The night is the fundraiser for the Jack and Friends Support Centre, which was formerly known as the Bandon Autism Parent Support Group. And to chat about the event and the opening of this new centre, I'm joined by uh, Claire Desmond. Good morning to you, Claire. Good morning, Patricia. How are you uh, doing? I'm, I'm very well, uh, and I imagine great excitement. For yourself and the rest of the group, because your new centre is opening, is it this day week? It is opening 16th, so would. 16th, Saturday, Saturday week. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah, week, on, week on South Main Street in Bantam. Yeah. Just to outline the aims and goals of your new centre.
9: So, the aim of the new centre was to have our own premises um, in order to have a support help for members of the public. So, parents that would have. I suppose, suspicions that, you know, their child may be on the spectrum or their child may need additional help and access the assessment of the need. And they just don't know where to turn, how to go about it, accessing services. So just to be an advice hub for them and help them on their road, you know, to diagnosis and availing of support, giving them emotional support as well as um, educational support uh, to begin with. And in addition, we wanted to have a centre where we could facilitate um learning opportunities for children with autism and developmental disabilities as a whole. So somewhere where they can just come, hang out with their friends, have access to sensory room, be able to get involved in different groups like social skill groups, learning about um, how to make friends, you know, what a real friend is, learning about emotions, how to hold a conversation, all these kind of um, important aspects of life and living an independent life. Um, That can be
3: difficult for a child with autism.
9: Absolutely, yeah. It really can be difficult for children with autism and in addition there, there's so many other um, opportunities once we secure our own premises that we can venture into and that's uh, holding sensory groups and uh, handwriting skills. There's just so much we can do now that we have our own premises. It's quite difficult when you're going from community hall to community hall um, with a booth full of um, equipment. So now that we have our own centre, um, the skies are limited really what we can offer families.
3: Yeah, and I love the idea that you're offering support, particularly for newly diagnosed or somebody waiting for that diagnosis, or somebody suspicious that there's that there's something wrong. I mean, you as a young mother with a child with autism, did you feel very isolated?
9: Absolutely. Yeah, I was very isolated. It was a very lonely road um, for me and my husband. You know, we were we were accessing both of charity at the time and. They were able to give us guidelines in regards, you know, do this with Jack at home, do that with Jack at home. But emotionally, um, we knew nobody in the same situation as us. Um, We didn't know where to turn. Um, It was very difficult in our marriage as a whole and as a family. Um, I certainly will admit it was an emotional roller coaster for years. And it still is quite difficult to date, but I'm so lucky that I have a a team around me now of Mm -hmm. of mums and dads that that get it, that that understand and they're there to support you when you're having a bad day. And that's what we offer other families, with or without diagnosis. You know, it doesn't matter. If you need support and you have worries about your child, we're here to help and we will do everything in our power to help you.
3: And when you initially reached out on social media, were you surprised at the number of families who were in the same situation as yourself?
9: I was, yeah. I was very surprised at people I knew. I walk the streets and um, which i know i spoke to you in 2017 when we first started and um, banded autism yeah. and i mentioned the same that girls i went to school with um people that i know walking past in the street that all had children on the spectrum and um, that were also very isolated and it's when you're verbalizing and you're putting it out there and um, saying i have a child with autism it is difficult I would like to meet other people that are in the same situation. It's amazing how many people reach out and they kind of have the confidence to reach out to you.
3: and as you say it's 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 a thing about i've you know I'm walking in your shoes, I know what you're yeah. going what you're going through. It's hard to share that with somebody who doesn't know what you're going through, and that's I think what makes this makes uh, people isolated because they they just give up and they say, "There's no point going out. I'll be constantly after explaining yeah. about my child.
9: Absolutely, um, we have many families that have said that it was the first time that they felt um, they felt at home when they met up uh, as one of the part of the, the part of the social outlets, that we have social um, activities, and you know their child may may hit another child, and it, you know we see it as not being a behaviour being bold. It's it, it's their way of communicating. They're frustrated. You know they might be non-verbal, pre-verbal, and um, so there is no judgment in our group. We understand why. And um, they felt accepted, and they felt comfortable that they didn't have to keep apologising or explaining their child's behaviour.
3: God, that—that's that relief today. to be in an environment like that without the yeah. tension of, oh my God, he's going to kick off. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, and it's, there
9: is a lot of kicking off in the group. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. There uh, is, but it's 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 very much supported. You're not alone. We're all going to support each other and. You know, not that it's an acceptable behaviour, but at the same time, we understand there's why an understanding the is of it. there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We try our best to support that child and their family.
3: So. Do you, and do your members come from all over the area? It's not just the town of Bandon. Yes.
9: yes, and I suppose that's why I decided to change the name from Bandon Autism Parent Support um, as well because. People were contacting me saying, God, I thought I had to be from Bandon. Members are travelling as far as, can you believe, Grenada, down to us every week for sports. Goodness. Yeah, so it's a, it's a long distance. Doesn't like it just,
3: families. it shows the lack, doesn't it, the lack of these type of services? It's shocking. like
9: There really is, especially, you know, the social aspect of it, sports and drama and just programmes catered for children with developmental needs you know not just them um, for every child so we'd have a lot more volunteers that would have done a lot of you know training we would have sent them on care inclusion um, autism in sports training all volunteers so they'd be much more aware and they would be able to help the children and assist them in the activities whereas some other you know mainstream club wouldn't have that awareness so it's great for our children to have that opportunity and to be involved in sports and clubs outside of outside of school, just like every other child.
3: And Why shouldn't they be as involved? Yeah. And your centre is it totally funded through fundraising? Are you are you able to access grants?
9: No, nothing at the moment. Um, to date, we've raised an um, excess of twenty thousand from when we last spoke. Actually, Patricia, in two thousand and seventeen, we were in the midst of the fundraising.
8: Yeah,
9: and um, it's all community fundraising. So we run fundraising events. And so does community clubs and vintage clubs have run fundraising events over the last year and a half, um, which has put us in this position now where we can retain the lease. So we have a lease down the premises, a long lease, and we've um, revamped inside the centre to make it obviously access controlled and safe and secure for the children and um, built in a sensory room and an office as well. So it's all true. This
3: is like a dream come this is like a dream coming true for you, isn't it? Oh huge. <laughs> I don't think I've actually
9: uh, you know, I need to be pinched. <laughs> it uh-huh. hasn't set in. It's like one goal is met and there's another one. I never stop. But I have a great team behind me and we're all going to celebrate. Once we have the doors open
3: the sixteenth of February,
9: there'll be a big celebration. Well
3: definitely. done. And the fundraising has to continue for it.
9: Absolutely. Yeah. There isn't grants accessible. There I know that the county council have a couple of grants where you can get some equipment. Yeah which we will obviously um, take, make use of in the future, where we might get a ball pool for the sensory room, things that are quite expensive. But when it comes to paying the bills, the rent, um, the rates, the utilities, it's going to cost us 20000 a year just for the overheads, just to keep the centre open. And that's not considering any subsidised or financial assistance. We give families to access occupational therapy, which is important for a child to learn to use a toilet, and themselves and speech and language therapy which is important for children like my son that's non-verbal in order to learn how to talk and how to communicate uh, using alternative methods rather than uh, with speech so all these um, services we're trying to help uh, families access by um, subsidising the cost of them. They're usually about 80 80 euros an hour a week for a family for one service which as you know should be available publicly and Mm -hmm. it's not just thousands on the waiting list So, fundraising again separately for that to happen to be able to take some of that financial burden off the family and access it at a cheaper rate. Um, So, there is a lot of fundraising needed to keep the centre open.
3: And your lip sync night is part of that plan?
9: It is. How's it going? Oh, fantastic. Um, I was a bit nervous starting it. I must admit, I thought, right, the center's opening at the same time. All this is happening. What am I doing to myself? I have two children. (laughs) I must be crazy. A new baby. Well, nine months.
3: Oh, Um, congratulations.
9: Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. He's flying it. He's great. Great. He's He's babbling and everything. It's lovely to have, you know, that experience.
3: Yeah.
9: It's quite nice. Very,
3: very different to... Very, very different
9: very different. And it has brought up a lot of emotions for me because, you know, as a first-time mom, when your son isn't looking at you or babbling, you think you're doing something wrong. And, you know, I'm treating Charlie, my new baby, just the same as I treated Jack, you know, as a mother. And he's babbling naturally and he's looking at me and it kind of gives me that reassurance. Um, I've done nothing wrong. It's just Jack was born with autism and an intellectual disability and that's okay. It wasn't anything I did wrong. Mm. Um. So it just gives me that sense, I suppose.
3: Of and wa- and were well. you nervous having Charlie?
9: Oh, very, yeah, very, very nervous. I'd be quite honest now. I, when I found out I was pregnant, I was very upset for the first few months. Um, it was it was quite overwhelming. I think the fear of you know Charlie being autistic, I'd embrace it. I know what to do, but was I emotionally ready? To have two children. To have at all. a second
3: child, and yeah. it and it, it it has happened to some families. It it, it 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 has happened, but then you but then watching Charlie, you you straight away when you know because you've you've been there, you've been through it with Jack, so you I know do. the difference. I do.
9: Yeah, I can see Charlie, and I can see the differences in him, and it feels like not to say that Jack was work or anything like that. I'd hate to say that, but. Charlie seems to be naturally meeting milestones whereas yeah. I don't have to kill myself by helping him to meet them if that makes sense. I know.
3: And um, how how is yeah. Jack reacting to Charlie?
9: Well, it is quite difficult. Jack uh, wouldn't engage with Charlie or he wouldn't he doesn't like Charlie being around him and there's a part of for Jack because he obviously can't verbalize why. I, I sense that it's jealousy because he was he ruled a rooster like any child that you know is
8: one an of only child, yeah. <laughs>
9: yeah. And um, there's also um, with space and uh, Jack's very territorial. Um, he takes us off the couch and pulls us into the sitting room and goes back to the couch himself. Then he doesn't want to share the seat with us, you know.
8: And yeah.
9: um, he's very territorial. And I think you know as Charlie gets bigger and he invades Jack's space a bit more. Then there will be there will be more interaction, but there's an invisible bond between them. They're brothers, and you know we can't see it, but it's definitely there. And that's yeah, and it I bet you if
3: sure. if you're watching if you're watching Charlie, Charlie probably loves to watch Jack. Absolutely. And
9: is, yeah. He just thinks Jack's hilarious. Yeah. if Jack moves one way, Charlie's in the height of knots, laughing at him, and yeah. Jack is blocking his ears because Charlie's too you know too freaky. noisy. He doesn't like it. Yeah. Then. Charlie thinks that's funny. Sure, it's 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 uh, it's hilarious. It's great entertainment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and how is how is Jack doing? Is he at school now? Yes, Jack yeah. uh,
9: was in um an autism unit in Bandon and he was down a awaiting us for a special school in the city, um, which was always going to be a better suit for him. Mm-mm. And I was delighted last September he got offered a place in Cara Junior School in Glammyre. Okay. So, um he set off on the fourth of September and we have a look back. He's absolutely thriving there the happiest boy going out the door he drags us to the door when he hears the beep of the car outside oh, brilliant. and um, yeah it was definitely a great move and it was the best place for him to be It's, it's he's far more supported there they have more staff and resources available so um, he's there at least 12 so we have that sense of security now that he has a place there
3: and then the battle will begin again at 12
9: yes, yes the battle will begin at 12 we have applied for secondary schools already and we've already been told that there's no places there for 2019 can you believe? Uh, so, and he's,
3: um, on, he's just started school. <laughs> he just started. He's yeah. in senior in junior infants. Uh, junior infants, And you've been yeah. told already there won't be a place for him at twelve.
9: Yeah. Oh, there's a good strong possibility that there won't be a place there for him. There's only two schools um in Cork and Cork County that uh, would meet his needs, and both schools have a huge waiting list for that year. So something has to change in the meantime. Well,
3: they have to build more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a bit more, yeah. And open more and Openmore, and tell them they, they 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 don't know the mother that Jack has. No, Just, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'm to yeah, get you? she she she's a common. You don't know who you uh, got here. One goal listen, at a time. Listen, the I'm very you, you've got you, yeah, we did, Jack. My my <laughs> fault completely. Listen, so know. you're going to launch tonight the lip sync battle that's yeah. happening in in Copper Grove, so people can get a, have a feel of what's happening. And then tickets then are they on sale from tonight? Tickets are on
9: sale at the moment in Copper Grove and Bandon CM Fitness. Bandon and in Haven Bay Pharmacy Review and O'Farrell's as as news agents in Bandon. All participants have tickets also. Um the sixteenth of March is the show. It's a one night show. It's nearly sold out. Possibility of a second show happening to Friday night, but again that really depends on
3: the, the, the need sells. and the want for tickets. They're fun nights out. Oh, they are <laughs> forty great.
9: people doing it. Well, well done.
3: Well done. Are you taken to the stage? I am, of course. Are you saying who you are or what you'll be Um, doing? Oh, yes.
9: We're doing a fantastic performance. um, So I'm going to be, to say this correctly, Letty Lux from The Greatest Showman. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be doing This Is Me. Oh, well done. Well done. done. It's going to be a very special performance because we actually have um, a great character in the town, uh, Francis, who has Down Syndrome. He's going to come on stage Ah. and he's going to be The Greatest Showman himself and the whole performance will be um, actually signed using love at the oh stage. Oh my goodness, my goodness. It'll be a very touching performance and yeah. very personal, so that'll be opening the show and then we'll have a bit of Britney shaking it after that. No. Listen,
3: we, we might <laughs> talk to you again closer to the time just to remind listeners that it's on, but in the meantime, uh, continue good luck with the fantastic work that you and the rest of the gang mm. are doing and young Jack and um, baby Charlie can be very proud. They they have a wonderful mum. Um Continue good health to you, because that's that's Thanks, what we Patricia. need for you as well. And a that's pleasure Patricia. to talk to you. Thanks for joining us, Claire. Lovely to speak bye to bye all bye. The best. Bye bye you Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That bye. is uh, Claire Desmond, uh, joining us uh, from Bandon. You're listening to Cork Today on
2: replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: We've been talking about horses and sulky horses and horses being kept in urban areas. And uh, Mary said, listening with interest to your discussion on horses, has anybody mentioned when these horses are out on the road, should they and do they have insurance? I don't know if they should have insurance, but I certainly don't think I've never heard of any of them having insurance. Dan in Blackpool says the amount of horses on the north ring some days. Um, Our sulky racing that goes on, and nothing is done about it. This can be happening in the evening time, even during rush hour traffic. It's unfair. And workers who are trying to get home after a day's work, and they're delayed due to these sulkies on the main ring road, and nothing seems to be done about them. Martin Murray is the mayor of uh, Whitegate, and Martin has contacted us. Uh, Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon,
5: Patricia. How
3: oh, are you today? I'm I'm very well. You've been listening to us talking about the sulky and the horses, and horses being kept in urban areas. In your own area, do you come across a lot of it? No, I'll
5: just uh, responding there to one of your viewers that um, one of your listeners that has sent in um, a message to you about um, um, coming across this sulky. Um, uh, um, oh, Alan, Kirk.
3: and he sent he sent us in photographs and everything yes, of yes. it yesterday. Yeah.
5: Yes. Well, uh, first of all, like you know, I commend the person for doing that. And uh, going on the radio station and, and highlighting it is not, uh, you know, it's very good of the person. But what I can't understand is, you know, um, is that a, a person, you know, that would come across something like that and um, not report it to the guards. You know, um, the thing is, it's one thing to take a photograph and, and ring up the, the the radio station and highlight it, which is good. But the uh, the idea is that like that could have let, um could have caused a serious accident, the child could have fallen off the drawbar there mm-hmm. and uh, sustained it. So um, I find that quite a bit that people are very good to take photographs. And not follow on, and if there's if there's something happening that could cause uh, death or injury, they should report it. The guards, everyone has a mobile phone on them now, and that's what they well, should do. Well,
3: and in I think in certainly we would have over the years heard from people who said they did report, but nothing happened. But by, by the time the guardy came, the horse yeah. was gone, or you know, yes, I mean, yes. it's it's the the ra- when you see the racing happening. Yeah. No, I know that they usually decide to do it early in the morning, but that's really dangerous. But I mean, what we're hearing from people is just somebody out trotting down the road with with their sulky. You say, call the guardy immediately.
5: Yeah, well, you know the guards can't be everywhere, and yeah. um, and and that is the fact. You know what I mean? As I said, like I often get um, um, letters, um, anonymous letters about um, um, guard matters, and it's up to me to forward that to the and The people themselves will not do it. You know, and and uh, Out
3: of... Why? Out of fear?
5: I, 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 I find that it's just that um, they just don't like picking up the telephone and just talking to the guards at the other end of the phone. They don't know him. And um, they just will send me an anonymous letter, which I'm quite happy to take there and um, uh, progress the matter, you know. And um, as I said, they, you know, I, I, it's just the way they are. Some people, like, they just don't want to have any contact with the guard. They would talk to me and said, well, we yeah. have no faith in the guards. And I would say, well, you know, um, we
3: need to be reporting things. I mean, the guardies themselves will say that.
5: Well, see, this is the problem. And if the guards say that there's there's less, uh, if the the crime rate is going down, the reason why that is because people are not reporting, and if they've got into a mindset then of of them not reporting and keeping to themselves. You know, mm, okay. and are putting a photograph up on Facebook about it which does, no, does nothing really you know
3: OK, okay. You know. it only gets everybody else talking about it and yes, nobody's yes. reporting and the guards can't do anything until yes. the, the report comes you, in
5: you know I mean sometimes like I'm not saying that you uh, look if, um, I've no problem doing something um, um, with um, progressing an um, anonymous letter to the guards and I find that if I'm um, following the letter of the law then I've no problem you know that is the problem, but I find that uh, people uh, nowadays will they take photographs, they'll complain, but there's no action after that. They just don't want to do anything, or they'll you know they'll just leave it at that, and they it doesn't come up in as a reported matter.
3: OK. All right. Uh, good piece of advice. Thank you for that. How is everybody in Whitegate anyway? You're all keeping well? Well,
5: it's, uh, you know, windy and, but uh, you know, the oil capital of Ireland, we're still shoving up electricity <laughs> there this morning and uh, well done. Well done. the fuel is still flowing so I don't think there's any problems good. with the rest of the country.
3: Good. All right, Martin. But, Listen, have a nice weekend. Thank you very much. And God. thank you for your call. We appreciate it. That is uh, Martin Murray, the uh, Community Mayor of uh, Whitegate. 1850 103 Just some other issues on the horses. Maryamal, says I would uh, love to have half an acre in the town in town where I live to keep a horse I came originally from the countryside so I would have it would have been in my culture to have had animals. Would well, somebody give me a half an acre, so I or an acre of land, so I can keep uh, a horse? I am, um, I can sense the sarcasm in your tone, Mary. Thank you for that, Trina. In Middleton, I was driving in Waterford last month, and at a junction, coming onto the main road, I nearly drove into a horse. It was just standing in the junction. It could have caused a major accident, and this was at nine o'clock on a Friday evening. Something needs to be done about these. Uh, horses and Jerry. in says if I owned a horse and mistreated it uh, I know the animal welfare somebody else would be after me. Why are certain sectors of the community allowed to get away with mistreating uh, animals? Uh, thank you for that and a lot of people contacting us about the robin that came into the house. Some people yes saying that when they grew up they heard the suspicion that a robin coming into the house was a sign of death but others are saying no it's more to do with a past loved one looking uh, looking after you and Geraldine and Carrie line said a friend of hers passed away and her friend always had a great love of butterflies and she said even even now she will come a- see a butterfly in the strangest of places or at the most unusual time of the year and she says it always reminds her of her friend and she thinks it's her friend looking down on her and I think that's lovely and it reminds you of your friends a friend and it puts a, a smile on your face which is lovely and listen from I said I heard robins were a bird to protect people so it might mean that somebody's coming into her house trying to protect her and I, and I like the idea that people are seeing the positive in all of this and fi- and Philip this is my email it says Patricia on the subject of robins entering a house may I tell you about a rather unexpected occurrence to which I was witness. Some years ago I was attending Mass on a Whit Pentecost Sunday in the UCC Honan Chapel. To anyone who's familiar with this chapel uh, the church entrance is through one public door which is rather low and generally kept closed. Imagine my surprise when about 10 minutes before Mass started a pigeon flew in through the temporarily opened door and roosted on the arch over the sanctuary. I thought to myself how appropriate that a bird so closely related to a dove should fly into the church on this day of all days pentecost sunday i discreetly took a photograph with my iphone before the pigeon departed Uh, i have attended mass here on many occasions in the past and i never came across any of our winged friends entering this church bar the ages of course says philip with a smiley face thank you for that um uh, philip uh, emailing patricia at c103.ie and actually on the butterfly one I remember being at a funeral of an elderly relative of mine whose wife had passed away probably about 10 years previously. And as we went into the church and the coffin was being carried in, there was a butterfly uh, flying around the church. And everybody was saying that that was his wife was hovering around waiting for him to come back because his wife had had this great belief that butterflies were a sign of your departed ones looking after you. And I, honest to God, I was in the church, so I witnessed it as the, that that elderly man's coffin was being carried out of the church. A second butterfly appeared out of nowhere and the two butterflies flew flew out of the church together and I'm not making that up because I actually witnessed it it was incredible. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three lines open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork
2: County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
3: St Mary's Church of Ireland in Donnerill they're hosting a concert which is on tonight at 8 o'clock featuring the Nagel Rice School Choir Michael O'Keefe tenor Philip Cotter and Noel Fitzgibbon, plus much more. The MC for the night is our own Sean Donlan from C103. Tickets from Centra, Donerel, and refreshments will be available tonight. All proceeds going to the church maintenance fund. Uh, Akira Drama Group—they uh, are visiting the Riverside Park Hotel in Macroom tonight to perform their three-act com- comedy. I'm the one for you that's on tonight at eight o'clock. Clonakilty Special Olympics holding their AGM tonight. O'Donovan's Hotel, seven o'clock start. It's followed by the annual post Christmas party. The launch of Strictly Come Dancing in Bantry it goes ahead tonight in the West Lodge Hotel. Anticipation is high as the 22 dancers taking part will be at revealed. And Boabree Comprehensive School will hold their assessment test for incoming first year students tomorrow. From nine twenty a.m. to twelve thirty, all sixth class students are welcome. And Macroom Lions Club will host a Valentine's ball in the Castle Hotel in Macroom tomorrow night, Saturday. Music by Hat Tricks. Dress, black tie and tickets available from Hotel Reception and the Macroom Lions Club. Now, according to a report in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, two thirds of large commercial tractors have failed the new NCT style test. Chat about the implications of the high failure rate of the so-called fast tractors. I'm joined by a news correspondent with the Farmers Journal and that is Paul Mooney. Good afternoon to you, Paul. Hello, Patricia, and you're welcome to uh, to the program. Now, this is a relatively new test. Just remind us of the background to it.
10: A Quite controversial background, Patricia. Going back over about two years, um, um, proposed uh, by Minister for Transport Shane Ross and his, you know, his department and, and the RSA. Initially proposed, Patricia, that all uh, so-called fast tractors uh, would have to go for this uh, roadworthiness test. And this would have led to some protest by farmers. You know, for example, that uh, the typical uh, tractor that never leaves the farmyard or never leaves the field—what's the point of uh, testing them for roadworthiness if they're not really going out on the road? So there was a bit of toing and froing and rowing as usual, and. In the end, I would suggest fairly sensible proposals came out that the commercial type tractors that are involved in commercial haulage and that are capable of going at fairly high speed, that they would come under this roadworthiness test. So it's just kind of getting underway. Uh, Test centres approved to do it. A really, really long list of technical items uh, has been drawn up for examination in huge detail. And the first tractors, uh, they're now approaching the kind of target age of four years, Patricia, and the first ones are now going in. Numbers obviously tested to date very small, but there's an interesting uh, trend emerging from that.
3: Yeah, the trend being that uh, there's a high failure rate. Is is that worrying for the agricultural contractors and indeed their farming customers?
10: I, I would make the point, uh, Patricia, in terms of road safety first, because that's the, the whole background to this. These these, uh, they, these machines tend to be owned by professional agri-contractors, and they truly are professional people. I would be meeting these people regularly, and they take pride in their equipment and their work and not. So they'll probably be dentists. They won't be happy uh, to be told that all these tractors are failing. Um and, and, uh, so, so, uh, if you look at the items that have emerged as failing, I mean, the most common one is maybe wear and the steering linkage, you know, and that is a road safety issue. So these guys will be keeping a sharp eye on that and fix it and, 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 uh, but the, the other items, common failure items, uh, maybe, uh, Patricia are not, they're interested too, because for example, speed disc in the back windscreen, uh, maybe placed in the wrong part of the windscreen, for example, uh, problems with the bulbs over number plates. So that might lead to a bit of grumbling by these guys. Are you serious? That's what, well, you see, we, see,
3: when people hear about that, people say this is just a money racket, because, I mean, I'm assuming there is a charge for the retest.
10: You're you're cynical as everybody else, Patricia. <laughs> uh, there is a hundred. I think it's 171 is the charge for the big commercial vehicle, and the retest is a smaller fee. I can't remember, a Patricia, at this stage. But you know, these tractors were put in for the retest. They had a bit of service or repair work done, and 95 percent passed. So yeah, that's one that pe- contractors will be watching. I don't think any of them will have a problem with anything to do with road safety, whether it's brakes or front lights, those kind of things. As I would say, they would uh really really be focused on that because I know the implications uh all around if they if they get involved in an accident you know yeah. of things, i did well I did
3: read in in your in the in your paper um yesterday eleven percent failed dangerously Now that's you know they they yes. they just shouldn't be on the road at all. Correct, and and that that's a
10: new kind of tougher line being taken in general with vehicle testing, uh, Patricia. For example, if you or I leave in our cars, or your listeners leave in their cars, uh, and if there's a if there's if it's deemed to be a serious fault, you'll be told you're not supposed to drive that vehicle yeah. home. It's a category yeah. fail, dangerous, and they say you're allowed. You're supposed to get it put up on a on a little low load or something and brought brought to a garage for repair. Um, but Patricia, I I would I would expect now the contractors, you know, they're hearing this news now. And uh, right around the country, uh, and, and they will be taking steps now to to uh, make sure their tractors going in, for example, don't have these problems. For example, the one of little problems with the steering linkage and whatnot. You know, they're the guys that they depend on these vehicles for their living. They're been like the drivers of the very big articulated lorries. They depend on them for their living and for servicing their clients, their customers. So uh, they I
3: don't guess, want them uh, tied up in, in test centres. And well, are that's there a many? Good point because Are there of the many point. of these test centers around the country? Do you have to travel far uh, with them? Well, last time
10: I looked they were kind of heading they were heading for about a dozen, uh Patricia, that but that's six months ago. I imagine now we're getting towards one per county, you know, at this stage. Um, they're the te- same test centres that do the heavy lorries. Okay. So not your ordinary NCT test centre. Yeah. You
3: know, it's still an um, inconvenience though for the contractor having to, bring to... Your,
10: You have to bring your vehicle off for a half a day, and if you yeah. do fail, it means another half day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in I fairness, could... the money isn't huge, really, Patricia. Now, um, but it's, I'd say the time is a bigger issue to these guys. They wouldn't be happy with the time involved,
3: and particularly when we um, get to the peak season when they're when yeah, they're all exactly. all hands on deck. Oh, and is it, is it is it is it a yearly test?
10: Uh, it's every two years okay. you fold you fall due when the machine is four years of age and after that it's every two years Same, similar uh, to a car but Fisher it won't be the guy the elderly farmer a bit like myself maybe who, who spends most of his time in the small Matthew Ferguson 35 <laughs> uh, you know in the yard and then goes out to buy the paper maybe once a week and he holds up everybody behind him uh, he, he is all the due for this because he's uh he's driving slowly and it's whatever you know. <laughs> he doesn't drive a, fa- big, a fast it's tractor it's a big commercial to no, be more serious it is the big commercial higher speed vehicles and absolutely they, they do have to be tested because there is the safety issue and uh um, do you know what I mean so we're, 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 we're none of us can quibble with that
3: Everybody know. wants to keep everybody safe on the roads yeah. That that that's yeah. for sure OK and people can read more about it in this week's uh, Farmers Journal and can I just point out to people in, in the paper one of your reporters followed a tractor through the official test that's a really interesting piece to read Yeah the
10: machinery team did this and it's really 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 technical I don't mean the reading in the article uh, Patricia I mean the test that is done on the vehicles It's uh, from, I would imagine it's a lot more technical than the NCT and my car for example um it's similar to what's done on the heavy on the heavy lorries you know and in fairness uh, those heavy vehicles tend to have a great safety record you know mm. and you know good vehicles good drivers tested very frequently and well maintained you know and and, and the same will be, will be the case with these uh, big, fast tractors. OK.
3: All right, listen, um, Paul, thank you for that. Have a nice weekend. You too. Thank and you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Paul Mooney, who is a news correspondent uh, with the Farmers uh, Journal. Trish, this is on horses by text. I had a good laugh when travelling on the North Ring Road recently. A man with a big four-by-four-wheel tractor, tractor, Jeep I'm, I'm assuming, uh, grazing his horse. He'd his window down with the horse on a lead. <laughs> Green areas come in very handy, do they not? <laughs> Thank you for that. Marion says uh, Hi, Patricia, would you mention that bingo is on and Middleton GAA? It goes ahead tonight as usual. Great prizes on offer with a lotto draw and uh, congratulates us on our figures and can I just I didn't get around to all of them because there was just too many of them coming in but we have read them all and I'll show them to John Paul when I get off air uh, thank you to all of the people who've been texting in and, and and well I know John Paul's been taking the ones that have been ringing in but the texting and the WhatsApp ones are coming in to me here uh, thanking us and congratulating us on, on doing so well in the listenership figures yesterday we appreciate each and every one of your calls so thank you for that and if I can find this because there's so many calls coming in. I want to give a quick mention to Bridie Collins. Bridie is, I'm told, a long time listener in Kilty, and she's going to be 80 tomorrow and she listens every morning. Good to have you along, uh, Bridie, and have a wonderful birthday tomorrow. And we were talking about birds and butterflies inside in churches and coming into houses and what do they symbolise and a lot of people are, are associating them with loved ones who passed away and people saying they get a nice feeling of comfort when they see sometimes the butterflies or the, the robin and it just you know it gives them a nice feeling that their loved one is, is still a, hovering around them somehow and, and smiling down on them. Listen to this text, Patricia. Just on the birds in the funerals a few years ago, one of our sons didn't make it. And as I brought his coffin out of the church in my arms, a white dove Flew off from outside the door, even though such a sad day. That dove still makes me smile today. That's sweet, and uh, goes on to congratulate us, the Thank you for that. That's lovely. That is is really is really lovely. Another not an easy day to remember when you bury one of your your young. It certainly isn't. Okay and talking of of your young from that sad story to to something that really made me made me smile John Paul picked this out from it's a Donegal newspaper I just I don't have the name of the newspaper if I get the name I I will I will bring it to you but this was a classified ad that appeared in a Donegal Newspaper a little bit like our Corkman or the Southern Star or the Avenue, the Belfast Telegraph, thank you john paul it wasn't was There's a news from the north. it was in the Belfast Telegraph, and it was in the classified ads section, and <laughs> the ad reads, I am a dad uh, looking perhaps for a potential son-in-law for my wonderful daughter. she's about to leave northern Ireland, the best wee country. In the world, and I fear that if she meets some nice man abroad, we will never see her again. She's the youngest of a house that was full of girls. In her early 20s, she loves her mum and dad. Uh, Nothing she has ever been asked to do has been beyond her. She went to the top university, she came home with top honours, and she went straight to work. She's six foot tall. She's quite tall, isn't she? She's gorgeous and she can hold a conversation in any company. Who would her daddy like her to meet? A kind, ambitious, hardworking, Northern Irish man who hopefully has sown his wild oats. If you're interested in finding out more, call her friendly daddy. And then there's a box office at numbered. <laughs> We're going to try and keep an eye on this story and see, did he get any response to it, but I'm just wondering, would any other dad go to that length? And I can see where he's coming from. He doesn't want, and he's youngest girl. He just, he's the youngest little girl. He's ba- the baby of the family. He doesn't want her to emigrate, and fearful that if she does, and that has happened, that you know our sons and daughters go away and they they fly the nest and they take off and you, and you know they're going to come back and you live in hope that one day they will come back but your dread is that what if they fly away and they meet someone and they get married and then they set roots in whatever country they're in I know it's happened with my own wonderful sister-in-law she was great for adventure and off she went to Australia and met the love of her life and now her life and her home will forever be in Australia because she's, she's two little children uh, over there now and there is even, and it's great we can go visit her and whatever and she comes home as often as she can but there is a sense of sadness that we've lost her to Australia because she met an Australian man and fell in love so I know where this dad is coming from he's fearful that his beloved Northern Ireland lass who sounds absolutely gorgeous a really intelligent uh, articulate, well capable young woman that she'll go away and that she'll get snapped up by somebody abroad and she'll never come home. But I just thought, what a brave dad, what a brave, brave man to do. As I say, we'll try and keep an eye on and see if we can follow up and find out did he manage to get. I'd love to, wouldn't you love to talk to the daughter? I wonder how she feels and felt about it when the ad went into the paper, or did he ever draw attention to the ad uh, to the daughter? 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your call text to whatsapp 0862 103
2: 103 Ladies and gents this is the moment we've waited for
0: To tell you how many people listen to C103 every day Our numbers show we're the first thing you hear in the morning and last thing at night
2: And we appreciate it <laughs> According to the latest radio listenership figures...
0: 257,000 adults. Now listen to C103 and Cork's 96FM every week.
2: Source Channel Ipsos MRBI 2018 Four <laughs> Cork's greatest shows are on your favourite station.
0: And stay listening to win your share of €5,000 with C103 Cash Tracks.
2: Coming soon to Cork's greatest hits, C103. Hashtag choose
0: radio
3: This is the Court Today replay On C103 It's time of the week When we take a look at the movies And suggestions for the movies For this weekend Mark Malone our movie reviewer Is with us Good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia And you're welcome You went on to the movies To see The Mule And then The Spy Who Dumped Me (laughs) Is the the DVD Okay here is a trailer From The Mule Need help sir? Oh Oh,
2: Officer hi You need (laughs) help? Uh, no, 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 I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there?
11: Uh, little pecans. I delivering pecans to my niece. Don't do what I did. I put work in front of family. I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home.
3: And you can you can clearly recognise the voice, even though he's he's an elderly man now, It's Clint Eastwood.
11: Yeah, is he ninety? Not quite. Uh, no, he plays a ninety year old in this. He's eighty eight, <laughs> and uh, so I mean, he made two la- he made two films last year. One of uh, you know this one and uh, fifteen seventeen to Paris, uh, at the age of uh, eighty seven. And there's no Incredible. there's no stopping him. He's still gone. you know. And in this one, he directed and acted in this one as well. You know, it's extraordinary. You know, he's pretty sprightly for uh, for eighty eight. I can tell you, much more sprightly than people have his age. And the the storyline of this... Um, Well, it's based on the true story of a man who was in his 80s, uh, a Korean veteran who was basically down in his luck, like uh, Clint in this film here. And uh, somebody says uh, at one stage, look, um, you know, you travel all over America because he's a horticulturist and uh, likes to display his wares uh, in practically every uh, state in the United States. And I think at one stage he says, yeah, I've driven through 41 of the 50 states, never got a speeding ticket. And uh, so the guy goes, "Mm, that's kind of interesting. So you basically can drive around America, this old man and are pretty pretty much nobody takes any notice of you and uh, clint says yeah that's very very true and the guy says well look um would earn you some like, money yeah, but would you like to kind of deliver a package for us um, you know, you just deliver it and you just leave it uh, in uh, the the truck, come back to the truck the next morning and there'll be money there for you so Clint says, alright, and Clint decides, oh, look, I'll do it once, uh, you know the next morning he comes out, looks in the packet, sees all the money and thinks, oh this is kind of nice Now at the time he didn't realise that in fact uh, he was uh, a mule, a drugs mule uh, for the uh, Mexican cartels but then, then afterwards of course he does but he's earning so much money he ah. decides to continue on with it now the thing is of course, uh, you know he's you, in a dilemma then, yeah. yeah, very much so, and of course part part of the problem then is that how do you kind of identify with this character? How do you like this character if this is what he's doing? Yeah. And so he's got to make, you know, Clint has got to uh, make this character of Earl Stone as likeable as possible and that's what the the, the film does and I think it just about succeeds. I mean he, they do make him out to be a kind of a Robin Hood uh, kind of character as well because uh, his friend's uh, restaurant is in trouble. He needs about 25 grand to continue. No problem. Um, no problem to Clint. You know, so Clint decides to do that. Now Clint then does become very much aware of what he's up to and what he's doing. Uh, at one stage he's invited to Andy Garcia, who is uh, the leader of the drugs cartel in Mexico and down to his house in Mexico. And he sees this, you know, he says, uh, you know, um, uh, who do you have to kill to uh, get a house like this? And Andy Garcia says, many people. So Clint becomes very, very much aware. <laughs> there is a scene, by the way, watch this there. He's playing a 90-year-old man. And this is the film, you know, there's been accusations that the film is kind of racist. Uh, it's very similar. His character is actually very similar to his character in uh, Gran Torino. And it's the same writer here. But he's not really racist. He just used racist kind of type language. He'd just doesn't understand the type of language you can or can't use now. Yeah, and it's an older man sort of thing. Yeah, like he's, a very, yeah. yeah he's a very because he's a very very nice man. He loves to help people as yeah. much as possible. <laughs> but there is there was accusations that it's a little bit sexist, and it is because there is a couple of scenes that are really really inappropriate. Where when he goes to Andy Garcia's the drug cartel's uh, place in Mexico, he does meet these two very young twins and ends up in a threesome with these two twins, <laughs> this this oh. pair of twins, which is really cringy and 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 uncomfortable. But it's the only time I think that uh, the film has a kind of a wrong. Note. Because yeah. other than that, I think it's, it's, and it's absolutely it, true. It is based on a true story, so
3: obviously he gets caught, does he, at some stage? Uh, but I won't tell you that. But that's it just based on a
11: true story, all right. It is, but, yeah. But you liked him. I, I liked, yeah, you do end up liking him because he is basically a nice man, do you know what I mean? Who yeah. was in hard times and wanted to help himself and, and help his, his family. And he didn't mean
3: to get involved in drugs and, and didn't then, think he was going yeah. to do
11: that, yeah. And it's it's really unfussily directed because, of course, Clint doesn't do that. Clint is a, a two take man. You know, you do it in two takes, it's grand, fine. Let's move on. But the good about that it is works. It does, and it's always worked for Clint. You know what I mean? There is yeah. there is um, a story about uh, Stanley Kubrick, for example, doing a scene in in uh, The Shining 127 times over and over again, yeah. and then he used the first take. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So, yeah. so it's, uh, it's it's, it's Clint's th- old school. We'll yeah. do it this way. Yeah, exactly. And Bradley yeah. Cooper's in it, isn't it? Bradley think, Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Michael yeah. Pena are the two uh, DIA agents who are set to try and track him down, and they actually don't do very much in the film. I think Michael Pena actually decided to do the film without even knowing what the film was about because he just wanted to work for Clint Eastwood, and I think that's the case too with Bradley Cooper. They're not really given him much to do it's all about Clint and uh, you know Clint's uh, apology to his family really you know for the way in which he behaved because he wasn't there and that's what the film is about it's about the, the redemption of this kind of character and uh, there's constant uh, reminders that family is more important than uh, than work So,
3: well, is he, is that's what he's realising himself yeah. ok Mark uh, i ten. give it 8 8 out, eight out of 10 and uh, it's called The Mule it's funny when you mentioned that he was being racist the, the whole Le- the Liam Le- 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 Neeson thing were you still on your radar this weekend? What
11: did you? I think what Liam was trying to say was that was that he was shocked at his thought and the way yeah. he thought at that time and yeah. his mindset and people must kind of realize that it was a racist kind of thing to say. But what he was saying was that uh, right now, you know when he looks back on that time and wants people to understand the kind of mindset that he was in that he is actually shocked that that's the way he thought and I think that's what he was trying to do but it's the kind of story that really you shouldn't tell I don't think you I know, know? because I know. nowadays and what you the, pr- would the
3: premiers ahead. even got pulled I was thinking whoa they really react to these kind of things don't they and they just and then you've got people jumping on bandwagons and all that because I thought John Barnes coming out the footballer yeah. coming out and defending
11: him was brilliant yeah I, I read that yeah, and I saw that Yeah, but um, yeah it, it does you could, feel for Liam. Uh, this could very much, uh, yeah, Rudy's career. Uh, it could do. It could yeah. do very much so, yeah, because people are not ready to apologise anymore for things that you might have written or said 20, 30 years ago when you were a young man and uh, yeah. uh, or a woman. So and, you'd feel yeah. for him. Uh, I do feel for yeah. him. Yeah, I do.
3: Yeah. Okay, uh, this is out on DVD and streaming. The Spy Who Dumped Me. Now we're definitely looking at a comedy here.
11: Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, well, well, comedy. Comedy is. You want to describe it that way? Yeah. There were, I didn't laugh once. Oh. Isn't that extraordinary? <laughs> I didn't even smile once, actually. <laughs> which is ter- like I've seen some terrible Hollywood comedies. I know terrible, you're, 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 you where do. Well, I smiled and I've laughed. <laughs> You, know. you do great things though for us watching these because I know <laughs> that sometimes you're really wanting to pull your hair out. But it's a terrible shame because you, you know the, the whole, it should work and everything about it should be uh, you know as good as it could be but it isn't and that's a shame you know. It's written and directed by uh, a woman by the name of Susanna Fogel who's a very good director. I mean some of the action sequences here are really really terrific. She's not a very good joke writer though that's the problem because the uh-huh. jokes really really do fall flat. I mean there's a scene with the two women there's Mila Kunis and uh, Kate McKinnon and at one stage, for example they're cycling through um um Austria and they're lost and so Kate McKinnon starts to read for a map, a map and she says I think we should go down here left of the elephants and right of the rhinoceroses." and uh, Mila Kunis says oh you're, you're, you're reading off the zoo map I mean this is, this was the level of some of the jokes you know and uh, you do go oh exactly you you kind of sighed there yeah. and, and exasperated sigh and that's the way I, I kind of responded to most of the jokes in this thing it's just odd you know um, so it's, it's, you know I get the impression I get the impression somebody came up with the title first you know instead of the spy who loved me wait for the this the spy this. who dumped me
3: <laughs> and actually from the minute I heard we were doing it that keeps the song keeps going through, through my head so I heard you singing a, it outside yeah
11: so it's a good a good
3: name for you know it's kind of a catchy name for a, yeah. for
11: movie so somebody came up with the title first and thought okay let 's get anybody got an idea for a story. you know what I mean and then they just wrote the, the, the exact same kind of thing that we 've seen you know uh, many times before. mind you last year didn 't last year or the year before there was a film with Melissa McCarthy called Spy. Uh, which was really funny and that showed that it can be done you yeah. know but this is just so dull it's just so awful so it is it? it's it's a spoof spy movie it is indeed yeah, yeah. and uh, Mila Kunis' um, uh, boyfriend disappears so she thinks he's dumb too uh, he comes back a year later and once um, he's um, in the, the her apartment he is shot dead because it turns out to be that he is a spy before he dies he says look you have got to go to Vienna and you have got to deliver this package because there's something in this package which will Save the world. And all of a sudden, you know, now I should point out that the, the, the people who killed him they are then killed by uh, Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon and it's almost like they just forget about the fact that they've just killed people what's <sighs> the first thing you would do is you would go to the police and you would say this is what happened yeah. but the two of them start joking we've never been to Europe let's go to Europe wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be fabulous we'd have a great time we just killed two people her boyfriend has just been killed dead and so this is part of the problem with the script it's just all over the place it's just a, uh, it's, that, it's a terrible in movie. no way believable uh, no no no, no. Uh, no. but it's not funny but it you know either be crazy funny and ridiculous or you know but some of the action sequences are very, very Good, but um, that's just not good enough for a comedy. You want to, you want
3: to smile, you want to laugh. Yeah, you, you need a good few belly laughs. Yeah. Okay, mark it out of ten. That's the Spy Who Dumped Two Me.
11: Three, would you
3: believe? Three. Yes, okay. That bad. Oh, well, If you really stuck the Spy Who Dumped Me, and at the movies it was the Mule. Ja, um, I was going to call you John Paul. Mark, hello. <laughs> our movie review. Thank you for that. Have a, far more handsome than I have, am. have a lovely, have a lovely, have a lovely weekend. I will chat again next Friday. Tom in Bantry says there should be an application form before you are allowed to own an animal like a horse and then if you treat the animal right everything is fine but if there is any sort of misbehaviour the, you will not be allowed to keep a horse again in the future and the horse can be taken from you we should have some system like that in place Pat Info says it is more this is to do with keeping horses for the travelling community it's part of their culture it is no more in their tradition to have sulky racing as everyone had horses back in the day but everybody has moved on farmers got tractors etc so travellers did move on they initially went around in horse drawn caravans but they've moved on now to cars so they can't use this it 's in part of our culture it 's in our tradition anymore. Everything simply moves uh, on uh, and on sick bags in taxis think that is a great idea. It would solve the problem of people getting sick in taxis and on birds and robins and pishogs went to a wedding in Italy bought a a child of Prague statue put it out for a wedding because it's meant to stop it raining and it rained all day at the wedding so they don't always work and Anna said on the 16th of January just gone at my father's funeral mass a butterfly was flying over and around the coffin for the entire mass everybody was commenting on it it was a sense of comfort to us we checked afterwards and it did say it can be a sign of a body going into the spirit it gave us great comfort And uh, hopefully, it does for others as well. Yeah, I love that idea of the butterfly. Thank you. Sorry to hear of your loss, uh, Anna. I'm glad that something as simple as that uh, gave you comfort. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Once again, a big thank you to all of us for our best listenership figures that we received uh, yesterday. Thank you uh, for making, uh, for, for for those figures and to help us celebrate. We're dishing out the cash as and from Monday, your chance to win a share of five Five thousand grand. Tune in to the breakfast show Monday at eight fifteen until Monday at ten. Patricia Messenger. Planning for
0: your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.